This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to another episode of the W12 podcast. Um, I'm Ben Platt, as ever. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Um, I mean, if you're hoping for a, an opti- more optimism or any optimism, then um, maybe maybe turn us down for a bit. No, nah, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. We'll try. Uh, to be fair, the um, you know, there's a bit to take from the Bournemouth first half performance and maybe the Ipswich performance as well to maybe give us a bit of light in this tunnel I don't know maybe it's just me but I'm starting to feel like this could this could be like a great this is like feeling like a great escape like it's so mad to think that we could get out of this I really can't see us doing it so if we were to do it it would be a huge achievement that's how far we've fallen this season how how quickly it's gone against us like you know the three wins back in contention we're now what was it four or five without win and that and everyone else is winning and now we're um we're back right in trouble again. Sheffield Wednesday look like they're, they're strengthening their squad. Huddersfield look like they're strengthening their squad. And we're just hoping that we get Willock and Chair back fit. Um, and it doesn't look like there's much money in the purse. But anyway, we'll go through that. We'll go through that in a minute. Um, again, it's another mad week at QPR, really. We've had what points deduction rumours. I've had takeover rumours. I've seen... What else have I seen? I've seen investment. I've seen... We're getting... Obviously, sued. That's come out today, hasn't it? So we talk about that. Ramsey leaving. Just nothing really from the club. But we'll go through all that during this pod, I'm sure. But um, let's welcome on the pod. We've got the, the the usual suspects on. We've got Duncan McCready, Jack Supple, and Chris Hamitage. How are you, lads? You all good? Thanks, yeah, mate. not all too bad. Good, all positive? Happy? Yeah. We won a half of football. <laughs> <laughs> That's my positive. There you go. That is true. Jack, I haven't spoke to you for a while, mate. Sporting a new haircut. How are you, mate? Yeah, doing well, thank you. Um, yeah, buzzing your hair off. I'm not sure if it's a haircut or not, but you know, I take it. Picked the wrong week to do it, though. It started snowing, didn't it? So uh, it's a bit chilly on the top, but uh, doing all right, mate. QPR aside, but you know, I'm sure we'll we'll get into that. Hope you're all doing well as as well. 
Yeah, Chris, you good, mate? Welcome back, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I had a uh, nice, nice holiday to Mauritius over New Year to forget about QPR. So I uh, <laughs> brought back down to earth pretty quickly. Uh, All right for some, isn't it? <laughs> It was, it was, yeah, nice and hot, very sunny. Uh, you can forget all of the pain that QPR have caused in 2023 when you end your year, end your year like that. Really? You can forget it? Well, There's been a lot to forget. For a short, short period, you can. We were saying last week that when we were trying to put the pods together and we were asking everyone who's free and every, no one was free. <laughs> we didn't know if that was because no one wanted to do the pod because we're so bad. <laughs> Anyway, right, um, Bournemouth, um, we'll start there. Um, Zach, I should have been on for a while, mate. What was your take of Bournemouth and, I guess, set-pieces issues? But first-half performance was good, but still worrying. Yeah, I'll go with the negatives first, get them out of the way. And um, obviously, it's the stat everyone, you know, is every year it gets updated, doesn't it? That was our 50-second elimination from the FA Cup third round, which is the most in the competition's history. So, uh, you know, a fine, fine honour that one. And um, it also means, sadly, we've been knocked out at the first, you know, first hurdle for us in both the League Cup and the FA Cup in back-to-back seasons. Obviously, we went out in round one of the League Cup in back-to-back seasons now. And then we went out in the first attempt, back-to-back seasons, Fleetwood and Bournemouth in the FA Cup. So, yeah, you know, disappointing. I mean, set pieces continue to be a major, major problem. Um, and... You know, pulled pulled up a couple of stats as well on that one, and nine of the fourteen goals that we've conceded since Sifuentes has been in charge have come from set pieces. So sixty four percent, nearly you know two thirds of the goals. So you take those away, we'd have quite, a, or even a few of those, we'd have quite a reasonable defensive record under under the new guy. And you just think, you know, and looking at it in the championships, and not just Bournemouth, you know, in the championships since Sifuentes has come in, it's seven set piece goals conceded. It's two more than any other team. In, in that period, we've also we're also top if you take the whole season into account for set piece goals conceded because we were, weren't particularly great under Ainsworth either. But for whatever reason, it's really snowballed into a a major major problem right now. And it's almost like every corner or free kick, you you really fear the worst. You know, I've seen a few comments to suggest are oh, we better giving away penalties at this point? It's become such a problem. But obviously, that's that's an extreme. And you look at some of the goals we're conceding in that fashion. And I mean, actually, I would like to point people to um, the article on Love for Words. I think, but Dan, is it Dan Lambert? It was a um, really good piece analysing that and uh, goes into detail about, you know, each set piece goal conceded and what's going wrong there. So definitely go for that if you're in- interested in the nuts and bolts. But looking at it from, you know, a more general observation, it's, it's players not doing their jobs. It's a bit of a... An interesting setup in certain corners and free kick situations where we've got our shorter players marking taller players of the opposition. I mean, look at Cardiff with their giant centre back, and it was at Larkesh trying to mark him. And Jimmy Dunn's a free man, doesn't get to the ball because he's the zonal marker. Begovic is costing us in a couple of these as well. He's coming out too aggressively and getting caught out, caught under the ball, missing it. And then the one Kiefer Moore scored against, you know, the FA Cup. You've got him coming in at the near post. I think Morgan Fox loses his marker and Begovic is just on his line. You know, he doesn't get near the ball. You know, Moore gets there ahead of him. So there's lots of different reasons why we're conceding these sort of goals, but there's too many people not doing their job. And we desperately miss Steve Cook and his organisational skills and his ability to defend the box. You know, that we just... 
Sandfield aside, do you see many people that get a lot of blocks in, last ditch tackles that sort of really make a difference, you know, in that final line of defence? Really miss Steve Cook. And if we can get him back, we'll be a much better outfit for it. And you just think on the positive side, I mean, I had a few. I had a few stats on the day that were sort of fairly positive. We'd scored two in the first half of a game for the first time since we Wigan in October 2022. So that was a, a rarity to score twice in the first half. I mean, there were two minutes and 10 seconds between Armstrong and Dykes' goals. And before that game, we'd scored just two goals in the previous six games. So it just shows you, you know, London buses and all that cliche. And at half time, I was telling Duncan before the pod, I had, and you know, my final comment on this, I did have a stat that I was like, oh, if we can hold on, this would be great. So in a new feature, a, a deleted draft, quite <laughs> make Twitter. Had we held on, you know, it would have been the first time we'd knocked out a team from a higher division in the FA Cup since the semi-final in 1982 versus West Brom under Terry Venables. And obviously the game against Bournemouth was played on the 6th of January. And that would have been the late great Venables' 81st birthday as well. So there was like a bit of symmetry going on there. You, you would have loved to tweet that out, weren't you? I bet you would have gone. <laughs> Not because we'd lost, because you couldn't tweet it out. <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, when that first Bournemouth goal went in after half time, I just deleted it off, off my documents. It was like, that's not going to happen now, is it? And then, anyway, yeah, sorry for going on a bit there. But yeah, just a mixed bag, a bit of positive in there. Armstrong looked like the player we think he can be. Dykes look quite effective from the left, which I was surprised by. But the set pieces, they're, they're a noose around our net right now. I thought Bournemouth, um, I, I personally, it's just a view, thought that they could come and just play and get the, the win. I didn't think that they were, not they weren't up for it, but I don't think they, they anticipated that we would, maybe we would start the game as well as we did. We always say that everybody, we need the whole team to be seven out of ten. 8 out of 10 to really have a go at teams, right? And I think the first half, especially for 20, 25 minutes, we were definitely that. Um, they were playing a high line, right? Um, which Sinclair was lapped up, right? Um, but then I thought in the second half, they got maybe a bit of a roller kid or they stepped it up a gear and we we just had no answer, did we? So, and that's the problem with this team. As soon as a team comes at us or gives us something to think about, we end up making, the players end up doing the easy pass, don't they? Or we end up retreating or we end up just with no attacking threat whatsoever. I don't, do you know what I mean? They, they played free at the back, played it wide, they, with wide and, and, and we just, that was the end really, wasn't it? It felt like. Um, anything else? What's your view, Chris, on, on Bournemouth and, and and positives, negatives? I think you've, I think you've summed up the second half pretty well. Um, the fact that I obviously Jack reeled off the stat about it's the first time we scored two in a first half since 2022. Funnily enough, I think if we hadn't scored the second, we, it's going to sound really weird. We would have been in a better position. But I don't think they would have reacted instantly. They wouldn't have brought Ryan Christie on at half time to dictate everything. They wouldn't have piled onto us only being one down. They would have been like, okay, that's fine. The team they've got out there will be able to do enough. They'll get themselves into the game we wouldn't have retreated massively and just been like, oh God, we can't do anything with the ball. We can't keep it. No one can hold it up. And the game plan we had from the first half would have continued at least till sort of 60, 65 minutes. But yeah, it was, I mean, it it was great to be 2-0 up. <laughs> I do want to take that as a positive out of absolutely nowhere. And 
the fact that Sinclair scored that goal that I think a lot of people have envisaged, envisaged that he would score. The well, I'm going to get the ball in the left channel. I'm going to get the centre back, full back, one, one and one. Literally, just boot it past you, and I'm going to beat you with my pace and power. But then, when even when he got in that in that position, it was like, okay, is he going to have the composure to finish? Yeah, lovely calm finish in, into the bottom corner. The kind of goals that I think we've seen him do that for. I think at that point it would have been the B team. Um, so we're going back probably a couple of years now. But those are the goals he seemed to score regularly for them. Um, so that's a made that's a major positive. Yeah, as soon as they got one within what two minutes the second half, every QPR fan knew that game was over. They were going to win. It's very easy to do um, for them. And yeah, we never really when they got to three, we never looked like we were going to do anything. Um, we were beaten by that point, but it's the FA Cup for the third round. I knew everybody knew we were going to lose. We knew we were going to go out, so it was it was a better showing than we expected. Um, but it still managed it still managed to give us pain, <laughs> even even That's with the, the positives. It's the hope that kills you, isn't it? Like it's I, I yeah. got, I'd turn the game on and I was sat down watching it. Normally, I've stood up watching it. And I just sat down, and, but then it gets me. You know what I mean? The two goals get you up, and you're thinking, "Hold up a second. And then you can see them from a corner in the first first couple of minutes. Doug, um, any anything to add on Bournemouth? And what did you what did you make of um, um, Marty's post match calling out Sinclair? I thought that was a bit odd. Um, well, well in general, what was his post match interview in general? I thought we saw a different Marty in that, is what I'm trying I to point out. I think we're getting a frustrated Marty, aren't we? I think we all hear the rumblings behind the scenes that there's no kind of money available, there's nothing. I feel like he's kind of trying to put as a bit of pressure on the board to say, Look, give me something, I need something. And I just don't know how that's going to play out. Obviously, the last manager that openly call out players was Critchley. And as soon as he started doing that, the uh, results went absolutely down. We like absolutely dropped down the table like a stone, didn't we? And everyone stopped playing for him because our players don't like being criticised. So what kind of Sinclair Armstrong will we see against Watford if he plays? I don't know. Because will he take it on the chin and go, OK, I didn't do well enough in my defensive duties, but I scored a great goal, but I, I need my all-round play has to be better. We don't know. We don't know how fragile all their little egos are. And that's the problem. We're in a dogfight and we don't have room for fragile egos. We need our players to buckle down and everyone has a job at both ends of the pitch. So I'm all up for managers calling out players, regardless of how good a goal he scored. Like the game's 90 minutes and every single chance in each box, whether we're attacking or defending, is crucial. And everyone's got to be on their game the whole 90 minutes. So I, I can see why he's done it. And I feel like him scoring that goal was a perfect opportunity to do it as well because it's he could have just run away with that. Ah, oh, Armstrong scored this wonderful goal. Like this is what we knew he could do. Blah blah blah. But he's kind of keeping his feet on the ground as well, in my opinion. And I know we're being like quite down about the second half, and I think I think you're also right to like draw on some positives from it. And I think maybe in defence of the defence that was playing, I'm no big champion of this side at all. But that was that was our reserve back four against a Premier League sort of second string bit of their first team as well. I mean, are we surprised we collapsed in the manner that we did, do you think? Or can we be too critical of some of these players? I, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, there's a lot of individual mistakes contributing to these goals. But if that's 
you know, Clark, Salter, Cook, Cannon and Powell as your back four. Do we, you know, do we see that game out, do you think? No. Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was, I, well, I, I mean, to be fair, I thought Drew had a really good first half. Got targeted. Didn't, did, didn't think he did too bad. Well, they made a sub, didn't they? And they moved. Did they move somewhat? They sort of, yeah, they seemed to focus down that side quite heavily on yeah. the, early in the second half. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm not too sure Kakai did much better, but I, I don't know if he's injured. Was he injured? I don't know if he got a knock or something as well, Drew. I, don't, I think. I think he mentioned that in his press conference. Um, yeah, I mean, it, what did we, I don't know if anyone else, I just saw that post match, and my initial thought was this is the first time I've seen a bit of a different Marty, a bit of a crack, a bit of a. He looked fed up. He looked a little bit like. Uh, and he made a good point around the, the corners, actually, which I, which I, listened, I thought was a good point was that the more you bang on about set pieces, the more you try and train, the more you try and coach them, the more it becomes a mental problem, the more mentally and the more pressure they feel and the more it becomes a challenge. I got, I thought of, I got on board with that point. I'm not saying that they are doing that as in their coach, you know, they're doing it too much because I don't know, but I guess the more we concede and the more confident we feel like um, that will transpire to the players, won't it? Well, I think so. it then becomes a, the we as fans will panic when Watford get a corner at the weekend. Exactly. Yeah. So if fans are panicking, that energy gets across. Some of the players will like what we can't be like, right, just just don't give away any corner. That's impossible, basically impossible to do in a game. Like we need to get blocks in and stuff will get deflected, etc. Um but yeah that and I don't know how I don't know how a team gets over that, but they we need to do it ASAP or we are absolutely screwed. Like there's a stat that yeah, it was actually Dan Evans who wrote that piece that Jack was talking about analysing all the set pieces. And within that, we've conceded we've got the fourth best expected goals against from open play since the Fuentes has come in. That's incredible considering where we were and the position that we're in. But we have this massive thing in set pieces that we are shocking at so teams are like all right cool well even if they do defend pretty well get three corners in a game and we'll get two goals like it's not just that we don't score to... enough do we either that's yeah. the other problem is we don't score enough so when we can see the goal of set piece one two goals it's huge on the impact on the game because we don't score enough yeah you know like that cardiff game was the epitome of that wasn't it they exactly, had yeah. they did what felt like nothing in that game had two set pieces Scored two goals, and even though we at least well got back in it with an equaliser, yeah, they teams teams now know they can almost come to us and be like, all right, well, we'll defend well enough, and then let's just play for a set piece, and that that can't go on. Um, so but back to the the fragile egos element. Obviously, I don't want to retrace too much, but that's obvious. Ainsworth knew that, right, when he came in. So all he talked about in the summer was, I need leaders, I need people that are going to kind of motivate others, the right type of character, blah, blah, blah. So he brought in Colback, Cook, Begovic. So everybody else needs to respond to that at this point. So that's when the Fuentes, hopefully he's been a bit clever and gone, okay, who can I actually pick out if I'm going to publicly criticise somebody is it somebody I've worked out in the last two months can take it? 
and will respond in the right manner because maybe Pritchley didn't didn't know the right way to do it. They weren't responding, but yeah, it's just the the epitome of well weakness, weak characters, I guess, and that's why what well, we've discussed um, in our own chat that list of players who are out of contracts at the end of the season. That's kind of going around on QPR Twitter and various people have got opinions on who should who should stay, who should go. I think naturally you get blinded and biased by players you like or players who have done well. But maybe we need to get rid of, obviously a lot of this is if, if we go down, the majority of them and just bring in people who are stronger, stronger characters. Because is that the weakness? Mm-hmm. Who, Doug, who is who is the art contract? Have you got the list? Did you did you share it recently? It'd be good to Ooh. just to run through that list. But I did yeah, two, I did... two minutes to find it. Yeah, filled and I mean he's got an option, isn't he? Filled, I think. And there was like a few others like Dizelle, people like that. I imagine a lot of these players have the one year extension option. Does Sinclair Armstrong have the one year? Don't know. You you think he does? You know, a prized asset like that. You know, I think they gave him a new deal, thinking he's going to go on to bigger things. So he must have something like that in there. But I, you know, you'd you'd want to extend that unless he goes on a bit of a scoring run at the end of this season, you know, this the rest of this season. I can't see many teams going in for him because he's got like two goals in nearly fifty games for QPR. It's not going to jump out on the pages when you're at you know scouting players online. But then if you if see if Armstrong him, is right, he's intangibles, and you think Christ, there's a player there. No, he's always the, abilities. Yeah, and he is. He, you know, when you speak to an opposition after the game, they always say, "Oh, who he causes it." You know, they always pinpoint, call him out as someone who's done really well. Um, and I think we expect too much from him. But, but I don't think that's a fan's fault. I just think that he's, we, you know, he's, we've, he's our number two striker, right? Um, and we expect some goals from him. That's just the way the club not bringing another striker is put extra pressure on him. Um, and we need someone to score the goals. So I think that doesn't help him. But the thing with Sinclair Armstrong is he just needs to get... Like, you know, the second half, when they sat back a little bit, they tried to nullify the space in behind. They went a bit wider. Um, and then he didn't really have an art. That, and that's kind of... He's got to find another way of playing. He can't... You know, when the ball was at his feet, in and around the, you know, the pitch that he... Ugh, sometimes it's... He sometimes doesn't. I, I feel like we know what he's doing. He gets it. He's like, oh God, who's who's free? Like, and there's no real thought process behind it. I, do you know what I mean? Like, there's no like, I need to find the space, or I need to find someone on the wing, or I don't, I, I don't know. It might be being a bit harsh, but you just that he, second he, half was just very difficult for for him. Kind of, he was even more isolated. The service he yeah, got was extremely agreed. minimal. Defend, like you say, Bournemouth manager Iriola was basically like, okay defend a little bit deeper, don't give him, him the space in behind because he's getting in there all the time. That's definitely going to be their only game plan at 2-0, two 2-0 nil, two nil up. Um, yeah, and so the, I feel it, I feel it's limited in terms of what he could have done to adjust it because there's no point him coming really deep to get the ball to feet because if he's dropping inside our own half, we've got literally nothing further forward. Yeah. Um, I I do think his hold up play in that game and bringing others into play was a lot better though. That better. that has developed yeah. quite a lot. Um, and it, 
I think as well. I think they actually talking on Ben's point about opposition fans like sort of rating him. I think both times we played Ipswich, he's played quite well. You know, he hit the post at home, didn't he? Or both posts in that shot, and he he did that charging run in the second half down the left side and cut it back for them. Someone missed or whatever it was, and Ipswich fans had I think got an injury to one of their strikers, and they're all I could see online after the game. Oh, we should sign Armstrong. We should sign Armstrong. Thinking there is a player there, like you know, we're not blind. There's definitely potential. And I agree with Chris. I think last few games, he's shown a bit more um, composure when he holds the ball up. But I also kind of tend to agree with Ben in the sense that he's not consistent with the ball. He's not, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from him at any mm. point. And, you know, that's where he's got a lot of development to come. But uh, it, back to the, I think the original point about players out of contract, if he does have the extension, I'd be triggering that all day long. Right, well, I've, I've found the list, yeah. So these are the players out of contract in June 2024. Got Field, but we think he's got an option, don't we? Yeah, I think he has. He's definitely has. Yeah. I think so, I looked at his when he signed and it said three years with an option. Yeah. Then we've got um, Jimmy Dunn, but he's got a year option. Willock, Dizelle, Armstrong, he's got the year option. Aussie, Dixon Bonner, Begovic, Charlie Kelman, Archer, Adoma, Duke McKenna, and Aaron Drew. Cool. Wouldn't be many I'd keep, if I'm honest. <laughs> Hard to make well, a case for many. I think Dixon Bonner's worth another year. I think even in League One, I think he could say League One. That's how pessimistic I am at the moment, <laughs> thinking we're going down. But either way, either division, I would probably want to see him stay for another season. Kakai, again, it's the, the age-old debate about him. if he is a squad player... And as a backup, he's okay. But the problem is, he's one of the players with the most appearances this season, up there with the top three or four. So that shows you the how dire it's been that he's getting the opportunities. So not sure that one. Homegrown, beat over 100 games now for QPR. League one might be better suited. To, I don't know. About... No. Oh, that's the issue. That's what people are going to say, right? Yeah. Jimmy Dunn will be better in League one. Oh, no. Cause... He's got the dicky thing, isn't he? Is he best just going? And just moving on because he's been QPR'd well and truly, Jimmy Dunn. Yeah. yeah. The, one, the ones with options, are so you saying Field Armstrong and Dixon Bonner are the ones that kind of jump out from that list to be like, well, I definitely would want those three to stay. And anybody else, I, I don't think I'd care. Nobody, really. nobody wants Dazelle to stay? Who? So, and I've, I've got him written down here. Someone, someone I've got Dizel with big capitals. <laughs> so, um, he can play for us. I haven't seen him on the pitch. Right I know. And that, and that annoys me. I said it last week. You, when you can you can literally see him hiding. Behind, like, and it's so frustrating. But what it made me think, I saw Amos on, online yesterday looking for a club. And I thought, I'd rather have Amos than Dizel. We made him like, uh, you know, I don't know. I, may, I, I wouldn't have said that in the summer. So, but I know that, but... It's just annoying, isn't it? But Dunk, um, quickly, Ramsey yep. leaving. What are your thoughts? Convenient, it was the day before. Um, <laughs> you know, every, what's well, come up today? Obviously, convenient, wasn't it? But I, I think it, he's what one of the last ones of that kind of Les Ferdinand kind of era. Like, I feel like it was always a matter of time that it was going to happen. Um, I saw a thing online saying that he's managed to get some 16-year-old from Fulham as his last bit of business, where he was quite highly rated a centre-back. But how many of the players have you said that he's had and have gone on to do anything? Like, if you have to rate his time 
with us in that role, would you rate your benefit higher than four? Or am I being generous with a four? Well, I, mean, I guess I it depends how much influence he had over Eze and Cher. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Right. Because if mm. he if he did have a lot over Eze, then almost that that as a sole point means he has to be a lot higher than the four. Um, because Eze financially saved us for a long time a long while but i'm not saying everything as they did was down to chris ramsey but he got he helped as on that pathway right there's there's multiple coaches and managers and, and other players that he was with that helped him blossom into the player that we love to watch um but yeah like you say he's of that ferdinand kind of ex-spurs qpr centric pot of pot of people but um yeah, it never really felt like he, we were developing massively with him in that role, did it? So I don't think it's just yeah, right, right time for him to to move on. For the money he was on, and for the years he was there, I'm not too sure. I mean, easy was obviously great, and I don't know what influence he had there, maybe, but it's got to be doing much more from my perspective. That's that's what I mean. That's why I gave him a four because as much as it was easy, like that's only one. How many others have we actually produced and sold on for the big money that was our club like mantra? Like and that's it. Where does Ramsey sit in on what we're trying to do? Our strategy is. It, I, I don't. I guess it's a bit of an open question. I don't know because I don't know really what our strategy is these days. But it was about bringing in players from other clubs, right? And, and who have been outcast and bringing them in and developing them and polishing them up. Where does Ramsey sit in that? I don't know. Does he sit in it? Is it? Is he lower down like with the youth? I, or is he all of that? At one point, he was a first-team coach, wasn't he? And mm. it like under various managers. Um, so I, he seems to have like two or three different roles. And I'm sure behind the scenes with certain players, he's had a big impact on it. Like Eurelius Chairs was quite vocal about him on Twitter when that announcement came out. But proofs in the pudding. And as you, I, you know, as you said, it's just not been enough. There's not been a production line. I know that you, clubs like us at the level we are. Um, get hampered by the sort of the youth rules that is it E triple P something like that where they you know you can poach players for a, a standard value or something like that and we've lost a few that have gone on to be you know established Premier League players I mean Harvey Elliott might be one of them mm. um, Gilchrist Chelsea it's another one again he left a long time ago but I think it doesn't quite overlap too much with the Ramsey era but it's that sort of scenario where we you know at risk of losing our best youth players before we can get a chance to get them near the team 
I think uh, you see the the letter from Ryan Colley's dad about yeah. online, sort of bigging him up massively. I mean, the guy loves hyperbole, but you know, <laughs> Colley's dad that is, but he sort of put a lot of Colley's development and route to the first team down to Ramsey. Um, again, if Colley turns out to be a player that plays 150 games for us and goes for big, decent money, then that's maybe another one, a legacy for Ramsey, but it's just not been enough of that as the, and like a lot of things, who's accountable for some of the failings that have gone on in the, you know, the youth set up that there's not accountability. When something goes right, they will jump to, you know, take the plaudits. But I feel like a, similar with Ferdinand, you know, there's, there needed to be a review, you know, of how the football clubs run. It's just, as do you trust the people making this review? we wanted this though right don't we wanted all these people to be made accountable and to move on so i don't i've seen a lot of people saying people are jumping think, ship but we wanted them to go didn't we it's not well, we we did but we wanted them to go when we have a clear plan and a clear path going forward of what's going on with the club i, I think that's the problem like yeah tony's yeah. gone amit stepped down les went now ramsey's gone but We've got no money. We can't sign any players. Ruben, we don't see. Like, who's is in charge of every aspect of the club? Uh, it just seems like it's a bit of a shit show at the minute. And uh, we're getting what everyone wanted. But I think at what cost now? Because I don't think we're in the right position now to be making all these drastic changes without having a clear plan. Or unless there's something going on behind the scenes which we don't know about and the club is being sold or having massive investment coming into it and a whole new infrastructure is coming in. But it, surely, well, if that was happening, there'd be little bits of that coming out, surely. Well, there's bits of something coming out in there, but whether it's true or not, <laughs> um, we've obviously seen the FFP points deduction message board tweet, which has gone seems to be have gone pretty viral. I've had a few messages about it from, from other friends and stuff. Um, I don't believe it. I don't know if anyone else does, but I can't see why. It's not much that fine, is it? We're talking like a million or something a month, less than that, or maybe slightly more, but I can't see why we would just suddenly not be able to do that. And if it's not linked to FFP directly, is it? So I, I, that's not to say we haven't got financial problems, by the way, because I'm fairly sure we're close to the wind when it comes to FFP. And and, and, and is it wind or wire? I don't know. But anyway, um, Wow. I think we're yeah, yeah it is wire in it. Um, I think we're close to that, and I think that that's representative in what we've what, what's happening so far in January is that we're going to wait it out. We can only bring loans in possibly, and we're going to wait to the end as as long as we can to get the cheapest deal possible. You know, because clubs we know that clubs will want more of the percentage of wages paid now, and as January goes on, it will come less and less. And I just wonder whether we will hold out. Yeah, I think that, that rumor. I mean, take I, I would say I read that with a bit of a pinch of salt, but equally, I think maybe there's no smoke without, without fire in yeah. terms of where we are with finances this season. All those sort of sponsorship deals they were doing, naming rights deals. You know, we were speculating whether it's for a new player, whether it's to pay off the manager Ainsworth or <laughs> to get the new one in, or was it for transfers? We, you know, it's all there's no communication about why they're doing it, you know. I don't know what we should expect in terms of stuff like that in, you know, board press releases, but they've been definitely quiet for a couple of seasons now. And uh, you do wonder what is going on behind the scenes and hopefully some changes and some fresh 
you know people in there with some vision yeah, especially at like CEO level things like that sporting direct you know director of football if we need one or someone just to run the football side a bit better <laughs> a lot better <laughs> it's been going on but yeah I we're in a we've been in a, a tricky situation this month. If we are going to wait to the end of the month, you're relying on our current squad to pick up a couple of wins out of those three home games, and we might be cut adrift at that point if we don't pull our fingers out. No, I completely agree with that comment. I we can wait until the end of the month, but like you said, we there's no guarantee we're picking up any points in these next three games. Like we all hoping that we will pick up some points. But Watford won't be an easy game. And it's like 12, half 12 kickoff, like on a Sunday morning. We, like I said last week, our players aren't going to be up for that. Like, <laughs> I always remember like Wayne Rooney quote saying, like, oh, early kickoffs, having to eat chicken and pasta at like nine in the morning. Didn't fancy it. I can imagine our squad, whole squad being like that. Oh, I don't want to eat this this early. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't see where our points are coming from. He refer- Marty referenced the three points, didn't the three games as being pivotal to the rest of our season. He called that out quite clearly in his post-match. I thought that was quite, I don't know, extra pressure, extra, I don't know, it adds a bit of spice to them now. And I don't know, the, I think it's probably true. It probably is true, but I don't know, I just, what do you reckon, Chris? I think I get the point you're making in terms of you don't want the added pressure, but like we've kind of dunk alluded to earlier. We can't just mollycoddle all these players all season, all the time for the last three years that the majority of that have been absolute crap. So someone needs to tell them we are in an absolute dire situation here and it's up to you lot to fucking get us out of it. Either you react or you fuck off. That kind of needs to be the attitude. Now, we're not going to be able to get rid of anybody, but, and that, that as a point to me is why, and I know people don't like it, but that is why Adoma is part of squads. And he gets minutes because I imagine his attitude is bang on. And I reckon every manager likes working with him and he probably accepts, I might get five, 10 minutes here or there, but whatever I do, I will have the right attitude all the time. And he's probably your, um, a great pro. Do I want to see him come on? Not particularly because he's not offering us a lot on the field, but especially as a centre mid. Yeah. Um, but that, that's kind of the position that we're in. If, if other people aren't either physically turning up or so literally turning up or mentally not turning up for training, games, whatever, then you use the people who are. Um, but yeah, these, I mean, actually, we've got to run until for the next two months until we play Leicester in March and we're looking at the fixtures now. And again, football isn't played on paper, but. Watford, Millwall, Huddersfield at home, Blackburn away, they're not doing great. Norwich, Norwich at home, they're poor. Stoke, yeah, they've got a new manager, but they're bottom half team. Bristol City, and then Rotherham at home. Like, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's eight games. I think we have to win four of them. I couldn't tell you which four we're going to win, but if we don't beat Huddersfield and Rotherham, we're done for. You can't lose, or sorry, you can't not beat the teams around you at home in the second half of the season. Um. So yeah, we desperately need some stuff. People need to to wake up to this point, and yeah, if we can regain what we found in that three game winning run, great. 
but it seems an absolute world ago now. And it's only just over a month that we beat Hull. But we, it, I think Clive last week said it said it said it right in relation to getting the the best eleven out on the pitch. We just can never do it, and we can never do it consistently for more than one or two games. You know that mm. back four with five we're talking about with Begovic. I, I mean, if we can keep that back four, you know, uh, as regularly as possible, we might stand half a chance. Keep Colback fit. I know he's not done an awful lot, but you'd rather have for me. I'd rather have him in there than Dizel. Um, and maybe bring in a striker or two in a midfield. I don't know. We we might have half a chance. I'm trying to be positive, here, lads. <laughs> I, don't I think know that's the point, me. though, isn't it? We need yeah that eleven. Then we have we feel like we have something. Or, or kind of if we lose two of that, I mean, depends which two you're losing. But is I think Jack mentioned it earlier. Is Cook our sec- first or second most important player? I'd still put Chair number one. Without him, I think we are horrific. But he's Cook's got to be two, right? Yeah, yeah. And to make this team, you know, the starting eleven, as you say, respectable. If you know you've got majority yeah. of players like Cannon and Powell and Clark Saltwell in there as well, in front, you know, you've got Dykes and Armstrong up there, chair around. I'm not sure how Willock features. He's kind of become quite disappointing again. He kind of he had the little hot streak of goals, and he's either got injured or just you know lost the plot again. On the pitch, don't know what's going on there, but, but I'm not sure. Is Cole back? back? Is he because he's I don't know what's happened to him? His injury, he's in traded, he's in traded, yeah, he was we're in traded yeah. last week and he didn't get so. so I don't know, yeah. yeah I, think, I think how fit is he though, you know? Uh, but I, I think we could, we need a, as much as we need a striker, we need a, a mid a number eight, a mid, you know, a box to box who's going to you know get forward and, and, and get in the box. I just don't think we have anyone like that. Um, no. Colback looked like he could be like that for the first few games of the season. He scored a few goals, it's like, but then that didn't happen. You know, like a Tim, someone who can get get in there. Like I don't think we get him, but I'd love to see him back at the club. Um, maybe with a striker or two as well. Maybe we'd have half a chance. But like I said, it's looking like the great escape at the moment, isn't it? And I don't know if we've got the, the not just the quality. I don't know if we've got the minerals. Yeah, that's the problem. It's the reaction to adversity in game. Just the slightest thing that goes against them. They or if even as simple as if it's a high press from the other teams, you're closing you down high up in your own third, and we get the ball and we sort of we're making mistakes on the ball around our own penalty box. They they sort of shrivel, don't they? And then the mistakes come through, you know, start rolling, and then you just you just wonder like Watford are a bit of a high press team, aren't they? From what I've read, they like to get in your faces. They got a couple. Of, they got a nasty guy up front that gets a few goals as well. Um, he's, as Dunk said, an awful kickoff time. You know to sort of get you know in this team, you know they need all the motivation they can get. But at twelve o'clock on a Sunday, just you just don't see us doing much on that. And but you know if we win on Sunday, it will feel a little bit better. I don't know if we close the gap or not, but. We'll, we'll certainly have a bit of re- slight renewed optimism, but my issue is that we'll go, we'll win a game or like it's kind of Dykes is a microcosm of that. He'll score two goals in the game, then he won't score for another three months. You know, <laughs> like we'll win a game, then we won't win for another two months. It's it's like you can't trust this group of players anymore. I'm I, I'm personally done with this group of players in terms of getting beyond not getting behind, but like you know, believing in them that they can yeah. do it. I just do not see it now. Don't see us getting us getting us out of the the hole. 
Do we do we think the players will be back? Chair and Whit look like they're in training. Cook, uh, uh, did I see Cook? I don't know if I saw Cook, which is a worry. I didn't didn't see him in there, and like we said, he's the one you desperately want want to be in there. And I can't watch Dud play out the back anymore. <laughs> like I literally can't. Actually, it's just come to my mind. I watch it and I just hate it so much. Him and Kakai on the on the the playing to each other is like not what we want to see. So you know what like, I mean? Jimmy Dunn has literally turned into Rob Dickey, hasn't he? Like when he came to the club, we had a little bit of expectation that he might be a good centre back. Like he, when he's in that back three just for a while, he looked good and solid. And now you don't even trust him to like butter a bit, like slice of bread. Feels like every mistake he makes costs us a goal. That's what happens when that players get into this, doesn't it? Yeah. Whenever they make a mistake, it seems to do something really bad. Whether it's not a goal, it's a really big chance that you won't forget. Like and I, and he's in that moment, isn't he? Like Dicky, you're right. Dicky was in it, wasn't he? Um, and then Dunn started doing too much when he was next to Dicky to try to make up <laughs> for the potential Dicky mistake. Yeah. Now it's just yeah, gone the other way. Yeah. And I think that was the main point that I took away from the set piece article. Actually, sorry to go back to that, but because we're so bad at them, every player is trying to do too much. So then they leave their actual responsibility. And then that's how an error, error forms. And that's what Marty said, didn't he, about Megovic? He said that's what he's doing. Yeah. He's As the leader and the captain, he wanted to take initiative and try and, I don't know, catch, <laughs> catch a ball that was right. 10 miles in the air. But... <laughs> well, but if you just want someone to take control, though, and just be like, look, zonal marking, whatever marking we're doing, part zonal, part man marking, isn't working. Literally just focus man marking for a game. Everyone has a man. If anything goes wrong, it was your fault because that was your man. Let's just see how that goes for one week. Just see if we can do, not concede from corners for one week. I'll be you, uh, Just a slight different question. Do you feel that is Sifuentes going to sort of, is he going to stick around if he's backed in January? If he's not backed in January? It's a worry, mate. I mean, if we lose these three games or don't get a win or, you know, and we don't buy anyone, it's a worry, isn't it? And these injuries, because injuries just seem to, they just seem to be here. And, all, and we've got such a small squad that it's much more noticeable as well, isn't it? And I just, yeah, it's a worry, mate. It was like, um... around for a payout. You know, they, are they that? You know, they know they've they've got a decent contract and they'll wait. You know, to be removed. But I don't know. He strikes me as someone that's ambitious and you know wants to do better than what is currently happening at QPR. Don't know. Maybe his standards seem higher than what the club have. Person, just judging from his interviews, he looks like he's getting frustrated though, doesn't he? Already, like the honeymoon period, like that bubble's well and truly burst. Like, I just I worry that if he doesn't get any anybody through the door this month, he's gonna be really pissed. And then, how long does he stay when results aren't going his way, the board aren't going his way, like? The other worry is if we actually do really well in these three games and win, and then the need for someone becomes less and the board decide not to do it. And that, that's another worry, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, but I, I think we will bring someone in, but I think it will be more of a end of January thing. Chris Martin. Was it oh, donkey like God. Jeff Hendrick then? Chris Martin, what is that? We can't, what's the point in our recruitment team then? What What's the point? Because... Well, there must be players around that we could that, that would cost the same as him that we just that we could 
bring in. Do you know what I mean? Like, there must be. It annoys me that. He did all right, though, to be fair, when he played for us. Oh, Jack. I knew you were going to say that, Jack. <laughs> he's, he's still our top joint scorer for 2020, like 2023. <laughs> like, yeah. I've <laughs> yeah, been here for six months. It's all about setup, isn't it? Is he the right striker for your system? And I didn't feel that. I don't know if he is for this no. team. I don't think he is. Um, but he has attributes that our strikers don't have. He has nous. He has you know game intelligence. He can hold the ball up. He's, he can read the game well, and he's pretty good in the air. But outside of that, I'm not sure. What he, what? Is, he, is he is he a bench? Is he someone for the bench? You bring on maybe. On, we don't a, have... on a serious note, with him. Do you think we would have stayed up last season without him? Well, no, his goals were quite important, weren't they? He got, yes, I mean, his goals were important. Like, it was almost like his whole, like, shithousery, like, fired up some of the rest of the players. He almost had that kind of Austin leadership about him, didn't he? A little bit. Yeah. How many games did he do nothing in? For every game, the odd game that he did something. Exactly. That's the point, isn't it? But I'd rather have him being able to do something one game that Dykes has done nothing. Uh, coming on, like at least you know Chris Martin. He knows the league. He, he will get you four to five goals between now and the end of the season. Like if he, if he comes in with someone else all the season, yeah. I don't know if he comes in with someone financial, else. Yeah, the, the financial realities are we are barrel scraping this month. So if he is the only option, I'd take him. But as Ben says, there's got to be maybe a, a better, slightly younger version out there, maybe on loan or something. I don't know, but. Yeah, if he's the only option, I'd still take him because I think if you use him as a, an impact sub, you know, he, he might have a bit of value. He might chip in for a couple of goals, you know, f- from set pieces, which we don't do. But that would require beating the first man on a delivery, which is what we're not doing either. That's the other thing, right, is set pieces. It's not just that we consider, it's that we don't score any. <laughs> and we're so, you just know we're not going to do anything from a corner or a free kick or anything that's in and around the box. And that's a frustration as well. Huge frustration. We've got, we've got two or three free kicks in injury time against Bournemouth. Nothing. And, like, sure. Naively, fans are like, great, we've got a free kick. We won it out of nothing. Like, there's one where I think Jimmy Dunn went down, basically dived, won a foul. And you're like, oh, you've done, you've done quite well to somehow con the referee there. And the ball in is just absolutely pathetic. And you're like, what is the point? It's almost like the, the players were like, I don't. We don't want to replay. I'll just float this in so the keeper Travers can come and collect it, and we're we're done for. Blow the final whistle. But yeah, like, like, no come back to Cardiff. Cardiff are near the playoff places. I don't think they're a particularly good team. We've said loads on here, mate. They, yeah, Preston. They can defend set pieces and they score from set pieces. Very and, good, aren't they? Yeah, like, yeah. I sp- I was speaking to a West Brom fan uh, this week and he said this is the worst West Brom team he's seen in years. And look where they are. <laughs> They're right in it. He goes, I don't even know how. He goes, literally, we're not even been that good. We can just defend quite well. And there you go. We're up there. We've got, you know, they've got that dyke back now, hasn't he? He scored it. So he's like buzzing. But, but it's just funny how it works, isn't it? He said, this is, honestly, we thought they were going to get, it'd be right down the bottom half this season. But, what well, is it? A bit of a run, a few results. Yeah, they just very rarely can see goals at home. Corbrand's perfect game is a one nil win at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's the slightly better version of Hasselbank, I guess. Can get a few goals. Oh god, Hasselbank. All right, that's quickly then. What what, what are we thinking for what for prediction, Doug? 
Should we love <sighs> everyone back? No. Um, and I think it's going to be Watford win 2-0. I just don't see us being up for it. I don't see us picking up any points this weekend. Mate, that smile was full on gone now, isn't it, Chris? You know, that one that we saw for a few weeks, the, the yeah, happy dunk when Ainsworth went. Dunk. Yeah, all the when, time, uh, everything was a win. Yeah. Oh, I, I was buzzing with Marty coming in, Ainsworth leaving. I thought that was it. And it started well, and now it's just like literally, it could just literally QPR all over, isn't it? Like you think, yeah, finally, like we turned a corner, we're going to get some results. No, same, same QPR, let's just absolutely phone it in. Second half against Bournemouth, concede three shit goals, and everyone's weekend's ruined again. What do you reckon, Jack? Yeah, I think on current form and situation, several players sleep through their alarm Sunday morning. Don't make it, and I think you know, that we should. We're going to submit to like a sort of a, a meek sort of one nil defeat. I think and struggle, you know, not really threaten the goal too much. Historically speaking, we've won more league games against Watford than any other team in our history, and they've lost more times to QPR than any other team in their league history. I think it's fifty one in the football league. So, you know, if you're looking at that, that's a positive. Maybe you know Ainsworth managed to get a win. <laughs> So it might be hope if, if Ainsworth can do it, but no, I, you know, reality is I think we'll just have a meek, quiet, stale defeat. One I don't like they've got all these nippy little, whenever I've watched them, they've got a lot of quick, nippy little players and that always scares me. Any pace against QPR, I always, I, I'll go for, I, I always go for a draw. I'll go one nil to someone, I don't know who, <laughs> fence. This is someone, get off the fence. Yeah, I don't know. Chris, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I think I think a 2-0 loss as well. Um, no. I would des- if this game was a Friday night or a Monday night, I feel I might have a little bit more positivity. But yeah, the I mean it's the worst kickoff time in the championship. They need to sack it off for, for every fan base out there. No one wants to be going to football at twelve thirty on a Sunday. Um I don't think it helps anything. Yeah, Sky just fill it because before the Prem game start, it's yeah, it's abysmal. Um, and therefore, if fans don't really want to go, the ones who are there are just just about waking up as well. So the atmosphere is never going to be good right. unless this is prime summertime, which is definitely not. Um, yeah, I hope I'm shocked, but I don't think I will be. Unfortunately, will we last longer than forty seconds before we concede? this time against Watford. <laughs> That's a good point. Say we might have just played the champions or something. Yeah. I'll, oh, yeah, for- that was, yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Literally, first day of the season, there was like a little, not optimism, I wouldn't say, but at least, you know, I oh, know because we had Govan started centre-back, didn't we? Oh. Uh, and then, But we just keep it tight for five, ten minutes, everyone we shout, and then first ball over, 30 seconds. Oh, God. 4-0 <laughs> down at half-time. Anyway. Right. Oh. All right, lads. Nice. Thanks for coming in and joining us, and um, thanks for listening. Um, let's hope we can get a result Sunday. We're back next week. You ours. You ours. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.